When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Theodora Speaks. Today's conversation is a special one. It revolves around a woman in tech turned entrepreneur who grew up in the United States and now in Switzerland near one of my most favorite music artists, Tina Turner. What if I told you that only 2% of the 2% of funded women by venture capitalists are black? And what if I told you that today's conversation is with a woman in tech who's in the top 1% of the 2% of black female executives who are breaking the mold. Jaquel Amencona Horton is an entrepreneur. She's a woman in tech and she values family more than anything, is a loving mother and who is unapologetic for being a working mom. It's in her DNA to make no apologies for multitasking her roles as a mother and CEO and founder of Faith. Fave is a new social media platform for superfans, empowering them to share fan content, bond with like-minded fans, and earn rewards and recognition in exchange for goods with fans that have handmade these great keepsakes. Fave is really turning the fan model on its head, letting the fans lead with the passion for the artists, where the artists are going to retweet the fans' passion. So take a listen. Sit back, enjoy this lovely conversation with Shaquille on how she's not only a woman in tech, but an entrepreneur who is rising in the ranks. She is a force to be reckoned with, a hoot, leads with grit and hustle. Today's career reinvention topic revolves around a woman who is breaking the glass ceiling by leaving Google and YouTube to embrace the great reinvention during the global pandemic to launch Fave, a social fan platform and marketplace that allows fans and music artists such as Bruno Mars, ARMY, to Taylor Swift to engage and connect with their hooligans, Swifties, and ARMY on the largest super fandom platform in the world. Welcome, Jaquel. Thanks for spending time with us. Hello, Gail. Thank you for having me. I've heard great things about this podcast. I'm happy to be here. Oh, excited to chat with you today. So when I asked a select group of people in your trusted circle, Jaquel, they described you as a woman who leads with conviction, is extremely driven, high energy, well-respected, and a hoot. Wow. That is very flattering to hear. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So um, they also said you're a huge Eminem fan. Totally. Yes. I. That's actually uh, what has inspired Faith because growing up, yes, I was obsessed with this man. Uh, I, you know, knew everything about him. I knew every word he uttered, every lyric, every interview position he made and went like honestly I just immersed myself completely uh with with his world 
but I think, you know, that like, teenage obsession obviously did something uh, well because it led me to realize, hey, there actually is a big space where we could better utilize and better capture these fans that are out there who, like me, are sitting there completely obsessed with somebody, yet don't have many ways for them to actually exert that obsession, right? It's like, I was literally printing papers in my, wasting all my ink of my parents' computer and having those just posted on my wall, right? It's like, that was that uh what was the store back then like staples and office depot they got all the, the fan money that i had because i wanted to use all their ink but um you know m&m and the team and everyone like barely got anything from me uh and i thought that now moving into the music industry that that was such a mismatch um and there was so much more that can be done to better leverage the super fan uh in there in in, uh, in all of us so yeah I, I definitely was an Eminem fan <laughs> what a great story stemming from being a fan and being passionate about music to where you are today yeah so in life Chakel, what keeps you motivated uh that's a great uh question I'd say <laughs> a couple things uh one absolutely and kind of first and foremost is my family um, I am a mother to two young girls. One is two months and another is three and a half. Wow. Uh, and so without question, their smiles, their cheers, they're jumping up and down, uh, saying, mommy, like coming over to me. Uh, well, at least the older one for now is the driving force. And, um, you know, I, I've said before that the, what a lot of people think is, oh, okay, you're a mother now you're going to slow down from work you're going to kind of take a step back and and you know uh, pay her back but that's actually the opposite it motivates me 10 times 100 times more to go even crazier hustle even harder in my work and in my career and so i think that absolutely uh, is a motivating factor and then maybe the other one uh th this is kind of silly to say but myself, not in the way of like, oh, I'm the best, you know, cheerleader of, of myself, but rather I really am motivated to continue to watch myself grow, see me have this growth mindset and continue to better myself and go grow deeper, gain new skills, uh, et cetera. And so I think that innate drive to keep pushing and growing is another uh, motivator for me. You and I have being a mom in common with two littles. So mine are, mine are under five <laughs> and two girls as well. So they're oh my, gosh, yeah. I know what you're saying about their motive, their, them being our motivation because they truly inspire me to bring my best self and to try to leave a good imprint for their legacy. That's exactly it, right? It makes you feel like you want to misstep a little little bit less and you want to make sure that you are a good example and that they have something not even just to you leave behind for them but rather they say oh cool that was cool mom that was cute I'm gonna be 10 times better than you right and right. so I think that's actually where I'm I want to make sure that they know that not only can they be 10 times better than me but they should be right and they have that motivating factor just like I did. I love it. I love it. So you've reinvented yourself recently. And so if we can talk about maybe some of those reflections from Google to YouTube to now Fave, you know, you're in the hearts and minds of the creator economy and the music industry. 
You were born mm-hmm. in the United States and you now live in Switzerland. So what brought you overseas? Yeah. So what initially brought me overseas was uh, the uh, role that I was in before this. I worked for seven and a half years at Google um, and and at YouTube, there uh, is a creator team, the product team that runs um, the create and engagement, things like this. That is based in Switzerland, which a lot of people don't realize. And so I moved over here thinking that, okay, there's, of course, this team that is, you know, aiming to, to get me over there to try to run that team. But there uh, is this whole world out there that is this amazing, amazing oasis of high quality of life, beautiful scenery, everything. And so the team was initially going like, okay, Jaquel, like, here's the reasons why you should come. Also, Switzerland is very nice. And I was like, okay, you don't have to convince me on Switzerland. Switzerland is amazing. Um, you know, maybe the team, let's see. But mm-hmm. it absolutely was a good fit for, for both sides and have adored it. It's just amazing to live here. So I've heard amazing things. I have yet to be in Switzerland, but my favorite music mm-hmm. artist lives on Lake Switzerland. Okay, Tina, Tina Turner. Turner. Yeah, do you know her? <laughs> Yeah, her and I just had coffee this morning. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. But yes, that is absolutely the uh the um thing that people want to see when they come. And uh, if there's um we we know like where on the lake she lives. It's on the other side of the lake called the Gold Coast, which is the fancy, fancy part of Switzerland or Zurich. Uh and yeah, she's she's a site to for people to try to see. I should yeah. say. Oh, I love her so much. I was I was her for Halloween, wig and all. Look at that. See? Super fan in you as well. That's right. And my four year old is like, ooh, mommy, I like Tina Turner. I said, okay. Okay. That's a good that's a good artist to like. That's great. <laughs> so speaking of daughters, we were talking about your daughters a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And Jaquelle, I respect you so much because you pride yourself on the no mom guilt. And I gotta yes. tell you, so many of us have that, including myself. And so you make no apologies for the new hybrid work model we live in. And oftentimes those work-life integration lines get very blurred. And I heard you have your daughters often join you on some conference calls <laughs> and you just integrate them right in and business as usual. So talk to us about how you deal with that mom guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like you pointed out, I really try not to have it. Um, the reality is, of course, you hear your three-year-old, you know, bouncing up and down on the side of your room. I've often had people pulling me off screen, right? Like my daughter saying, come on, read to me, play with me, which that I would say is what brings me the most guilt of like, I know that she wants to hang out with me and be with me. And now that she's growing, she feels so old to me. It's, she knows, she's like, mom, you gonna go work? (laughs) That's what she always says. Oh, but um, uh, yeah, even if I pick up my laptop and start walking upstairs, she goes, mommy, you're going to go work. And it's been times where I've been doing that just to, you know, go put it away. Right. So that I can come back downstairs and hang out with them. And I, it breaks my heart when it's like, oh, no, Naya, I'm, I'm coming down to, to hang out with you. And so that I would say is how I orient that mom guilt. Um, I also was pregnant the entire time I was uh, raising money and making most of the deals that have been the foundation of fave. Uh, and so that too, uh, and I should also add, uh, because I'm in Switzerland, most of that time was, uh, I would take the meetings between like midnight and 3am my time, right? 
after finishing a whole day of work and uh, obviously caring for my three-year-old, doing dinner, all of that stuff. And so I felt like I wasn't um, uh, giving my body enough attention and resting enough and all of this. And so I definitely interpret this as, am I doing enough for my daughters? But the reason why I feel like I don't carry a lot is because to your point, I absolutely integrate them into my workday. It's never a, I'm going to lock the door and um, you know you cannot come in here kind of thing. Usually I would have my two month old on my lap right now only because we're recording, did I not? And her you know, eating and sniffing will, will make noise. But usually I really have my daughter on my lap all the time. And then when my other daughter either comes up from uh, hanging out with her dad or from daycare, she's only in daycare three days a week of half days, right? Like I really want to still be involved in, in everything that they do. It's just a quick second of, hey, mommy, they, she knows all the people that I work with. She could point them out even just by their avatars on Zoom. Uh, and so uh, she like it's really integrated and it's it brings much more calm to my life and my clarity of thinking and work when I can integrate it rather than the stress that gets put on uh, me and many other moms of I must separate them even though we live in one big office now in our homes it's I must separate them I must separate them nobody could ever know that's absolutely not the case right Um, and so even I've seen uh, some uh, particularly male counterparts say one day uh, after like a year of working with them, oh yeah, my family, this and that. I was like, oh, you have a family? I didn't even realize, right? And it's like, how is that? How does that go unsaid? Right? And so I just, it's it's a part of my identity unapologetically and it just makes it much easier when they can, you know, pop in and out uh, and then of course, okay, you know, <laughs> do your puzzle over there but uh, much easier when um, I rid of that stress and guilt. I love it. Super inspiring. My little one has a little play laptop, so she'll pull it out when I'm working and tell me, mommy, nice. I, work, I work too. And I'll say this. It's like, yes, I do this for myself, but I also encourage the other moms on my team to do the same. It's like they, obviously this is a new company, so I'm hiring uh, a lot of folks and the moms that come in, often start with apologizing that their baby made one sound in the background. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding? Bring, bring your kid, bring your kid, have them sit up. like, why are you stressing out over this? It's fine. You can be just as clear and focused in what you're saying with your kid is on your lap versus not. It's like, I can still think clearly. So why is it such a, a big deal? Right. Um, and so I, I want other people to feel just as empowered as I do to, have this kind of integrated lifestyle. That's so important as as a leader, Jaquel, because people are still, like you said, shamed by uh, parenthood, yeah. even men, right? Like you said, it took over mm-hmm. a year for you to know some of your male colleagues have have children. And so yeah. we really need to change that in our culture and our society. And uh, mm-hmm. people like you, we need more people like you, bottom line. There's less of us in the workplace, let alone women of color and other ethnicities like you talked about in a recent op-ed, which we'll get into in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's really uplifting women and carrying the qualified ones with us along the way. And you said something very eloquent in your op-ed. And you said, I, too, want to take action to support the immense opportunity here. And I'm committing to extending my hand to bring other founders with me on this ride. 
and giving them the opportunity, right? You always want to hire someone that's going to be better than you. You said earlier, we want to raise our children to have more than we have. And it's just so important. And the world needs more bright lights like you. Thank you so much, Gail. Yeah, I mean, I and I absolutely mean it. You know, it's like this is not a uh, a game of uh, winner takes all or, uh, you know, I must be the best. It's like, let's all do it together. Like, let's all do this together. Right. There's and as I point out in, in the op-ed, there's plenty, plenty of funding, like a lot of funding. So why is it so um siloed into to this world where the ideas and the innovation and the incredible um, problems to be solved live in founders that look like many different things, not just the people who continue to get the checks all the time. And so rather than it being, um, you know, uh, another call of, you know, please help us, please help us kind of, of thing, I really didn't uh, take that approach, but rather uh, as a, there is opportunity here to, to solve, right? And there's opportunity here to grasp. And uh, too often it's interpreted as this help me, but that's not even what we mean. It's, it's not a please feel, uh, have a pity part. Like I hate when people interpret it like that. It's rather we have something to say and we have something to do and we have something to build allow us to do that because unfortunately some of these resources are constrained in certain areas so just let us do our thing for the benefit of all of all innovation uh, and I and I want to make sure that that messaging is is explicit in the minds of people rather than a, a well uh, I shouldn't feel sorry for for you for for women or people of color or this so uh, yeah I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing it's 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 much bigger than that Yes, yes. And I love that you're paving the way here and being such a, a force, a forceful voice in a, in a positive way. And hopefully this conversation helps lessen some of that mom guilt that we all carry. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, it's, it's for them. It's for your kids. And I think it's, it's kind of funny that oftentimes it's looked at as the weakening point of an executive, right, to have children, but it is what strengthens you. And I said to Stu in the op-ed that if anything, it makes you, forces you to be far more efficient than you were before. You have no choice but to be efficient now so that you can cater to these super heavy needs. And so that efficiency and that uh, need to, uh, you must drive impact no matter what during your day that is a very desirable trait in a founder and an exec and anyone. So it's funny that that's misinterpreted as a weak point as being a mom, because it's, it's in fact what strengthens you to think more clearly, get more done. And so it's it's kind of funny and backwards, but yeah, let's get the mom guilt out of here. <laughs> yeah. And you ignite the fire in the moms in our bellies, right? And we're going to do a better job with whatever job we have. And I think companies need to to hear that, right? We got to shout that from the rooftop. So I'd, I'd love to be one of your cheerleaders or fans, I should say, in that regard. <laughs> so, yes. Jaquel, you left a lucrative career, a couple of them in technology. You spent five years at YouTube, seven at Google to become the founder and CEO of Fave. And nonetheless, during the global pandemic in a period of time that I like to coin the great reinvention. And it must have been tough, risky, scary. So tell us about that journey. Sure. Yeah, definitely was a big, uh, big debate. 
Stephen, I know we were going to close out the mom topic, but it interweaves into everything. I also have these kids that and a family that I have to make sure are good and stable. And, uh, you know, I, I always had this entrepreneurial desire in me um, from, you know, from going into college and entering college, right? I knew I wanted to start something and be my own boss, all of this. I didn't back then because it's like, okay, I literally have to sustain myself. I don't have the luxury of, uh, you know, okay, you know, parents, like if everything falls, like I'll just, you know, move into your house and have you pay. I wasn't a, I didn't have that option. And so I had to make sure that I was good before I could match that insight that I've had, because as you can imagine with faith, having a place for fans is an insight that I had a long time ago, but just didn't do anything about and watched uh, left and right and said, okay, somebody's going to do this. It's okay. Like I'll just watch from afar and nobody did it. And so I was still able to take that entrepreneurial fire that I've had in me, but at the intersection of when I felt comfortable financially to say, okay, I can afford to um, like take a risk and, and invest in myself. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, pave the way to have this yield more dividends than I'm getting in my current role, but it's not, it's easy to say very difficult to do. Right. And so tactically I made sure that I could start working on the idea while I was still employed first, like getting a signed agreement from Google saying that this idea is mine and I own it and made sure to do that before I invested anywhere. And then once I had that, uh, started working with uh, a couple of engineers and a, um, a, a, a de de development shop in order to kind of get out the thoughts, right? I started interviewing a bunch of fans. I started uh, getting product plans together at Google. I was a product manager, so I was able to kind of have that role uh, and really dive in there. And then it just was really about making sure that we're solving a key problem for fans before I determined that the risk was worth the jump, right? If this thing I had, this insight I had been sitting on uh, was no longer relevant or wasn't as cool as I imagined or yeah, didn't have a huge you know, venture scale opportunity, it would have been a fun, you know, thing that I did over the pandemic, but I would have, I would have let it go, right? It would have been a bit, uh, a bit too risky. But as soon as I started, it was like, oh no, this is like this. The, the world can have this and needs this, and fans want so much more, even more than I went in thinking about. And so that, um, that encouragement for for me, and like I said, that motivation, that self motivation to keep growing was one that said, hey, Jaquel, you have to not only like do this for the fans, like actually make this this work for them since you're passionate about, about making this happen, you also need to take that jump and know that you've set yourself up in a way where if all fails, let's say, you can come back, you've made great connections, you, uh, you know, have a good reputation, like you can lean back on this and you worked for that. And so now it's time to invest in you. And I think I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, Fave has, uh, you know, we're still in very early days, but it's done enough where it's, you know, like many people I see leave Google and come back, 
uh, it's not just a one year, you know, set of learnings. It's like, oh no, this is like, we're going to hit something. This is going to work. We're going to find our path. And the path that we've even already found has been one that I can see us sustaining. And so um, it's, it ended up working out, but I think even if it didn't, it would be the best thing that I did in my career, I will say, because it allowed me to have nothing to fall back on besides my own gut. And that refinement of that gut, when you have no manager looking over you, no, you know, 2022 OKRs that have been planned out for you from above, it's up to you to define what's happening. You really have to know what conviction means. And you really have to know um, what you stand for as a professional and as a person. <laughs> and that alone has been the best in, uh, investment in myself that I could have made. Yeah, I just like what you said there. Before you boomerang back, if you ever do, you're going to treat it like a boomerang. You're going to go far before you come back. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I left Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So, so you understand. I totally understand. <laughs> And I was so glad to to hear that, of course, it's like this reinvention happened in the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, many people were saying, okay, let me bake bread. Let me take this as a step back. Let me do all of this. And then there's a couple of us that said, no, let me invest in myself and let me, let me see, and let me leave this cushy job where I'll be fine. Right. Uh, in order to make what I'm super passionate about happen. And I have so much respect for you that you did that. I forget that I'm one of them, but I just love the people who had, you know, took this chance and did that because you see it's working and you seem happier, happier than ever. Yes, I am. And I, and I respect you for that. And I'm proud of you for that. And, and we need to hear more, more stories like this. And, you know, you went back to talking about your jump, your risk. And I think oftentimes people see, ah, Jaquel, fave, success, right? You've made it. But they don't see the hard work that goes into it, the time, the years. It's not just a a jump off a diving board. It's a calculated risk. It takes time, one foot in front of the other, step by step before we leap. And I think it's really important to paint that picture to people that are maybe wanting to take that risk and reinvent themselves, but are afraid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I said, I started this while still working because I wouldn't, I was not ready to take the risk of just like, okay, I have an idea. Let me leave Google and go do it. Nope. I'm sorry. There are many who could, I still couldn't at that point. And so I made sure to validate what I wanted to do by talking to users, by uh, understanding if this path was something that could raise money, right? So that I don't have to continue to put in my savings, right? That I could, um, you know, uh, allow, allow other partners to come along this ride with me and then help fund this idea. Um, I made sure that we had a timeline that would be feasible to get out so that by the time I did leave and leave Google, I could um, have gained early data to help validate that the ideas that we have kind of sitting, the conversations that we had with with users weren't just idealistic things, but actual data around the scenarios of when you use this app, you meant what you said in that interview, right? You actually engage and you want to share it with friends, et cetera. And so I de-risked a lot to, to make sure that it actually was a viable path before saying, all right, uh, it's time for, for me to go. And of course, given that I balance both, right? Like I was still 
killing it at work while trying to establish this business and uh, to make sure that there was no nothing like left but I had to, yeah, I, I had to do it and it was, it was worth it again to make sure that it was a good path ahead. Yeah. So you were launching Fave, you were still at Google and you were a mom. That's three plus mm-hmm. jobs right there, in my opinion. So dare right. I say, so. dare I say, as you were thinking about that calculated risk, Shaquille, you were Googling. Did you Google it? Because I was binging it. <laughs> I was binging it. No, no, I was Googling. Sorry. <laughs> But no, I, I mean, that that leads to a whole nother set, right? It's like, I had no idea about fundraising world, many things that not in the startup world before entering this, this world, right? Like I didn't know what series A meant or what a seed round was or a convertible notes or like, I had no idea what any of these things were, to be frank. And now I can teach a class on it, right? Like you... Uh, Google, you YouTube, you do all of these things to educate yourself and invest in your own uh, self so that when you are faced in these conversations and you are the one where everyone's asking you, okay, what's your valuation? Like, how do you calculate? I don't, how do I, what? How do I calculate that, right? So I had spent a lot of time watching other founders, watching investors, watching um, like Y Combinator classes, uh, like watching all of this uh, frankly, free resources to make sure that I was set up to uh, to yeah invest invest in myself so that I can be far equipped uh, when when it came to 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 this and once again that that super paid off. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Tell us about Fave. For someone uh, that uh-huh. maybe doesn't know Perfect. what I'm Fave is. To. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so Fave is a social platform that is dedicated to super fans. And so it's a place where if you are, you know, in love with a artist or a TV show or a movie or a book, comics, et cetera, you can come uh, to completely immerse yourself in that world. Um, It allows fans to create immersive content um, and share with other fans. They can connect and bond with like-minded people. Those who you walk into a room and you say an inside joke from your fandom and they just get it, right? Like you don't even have to to say much further. Um, It allows them to compete in fun challenges and and approve their way toward recognition and earning exclusive rewards as fans. And then we also have a marketplace that's fan to fan where fans who have been inspired by their favorite artists or creators can come there and create fan-made merch and sell them to other fans, right? Where fans can get kind of unique uh, pieces where it's different from what's in the official merch store, um, but instead, let's say a friendship bracelet with um, like in the case of BTS, the word like Namjooning on it or a serendipity, which is something that means a ton to people in the fandom but if you are outside of that fandom, you have no idea what it is. And so people have, have loved to get these kind of unique pieces uh, from Fave. And so we've been so grateful to see that um, because our approach is in kind of building the platform bottoms up, like fan first, where we partner with fans in order to create this and not just having the artists like tweet out, okay, come here, we're relying on the artist to be the one to, giving all of the content, which is the case in all the other social platforms, we have the fans 
drive this. And we have been able to establish amazing partnership with fans. We have interviewed a bunch of fans to understand their story, how they became fans, how they met the artists at this point, how they ended up going to the AMAs, like things like this, right? And really unlocking that. Uh, a new conversation that fans have been seeking um, and have really hit a nerve with, with this kind of um, fan economy and fan ecosystem that we're excited to be a part of. And so once again, tip of the tip of the iceberg that we have hit, have so many um, goals and visions to, to really leverage um, what we can build with technology and make an amazing world for fans and fandoms. Uh, but yes, this is this is just the start of, of the platform and what we're aiming to do. So cool. And I love that you really take the fan model and flipped it upside down, which is really, yeah. really cool. Where the artists should be retweeting what the fans are saying, not the other way exactly. around. Exactly. That's exactly it, right? Like right now, they just have these heart or like like, right? Or comment, like these super small actions, but there are these people with deep, deep, deep stories behind that heart mm -hmm. um, and a reason why they do that. And those stories are just completely lost. Or there are people who are sharing some of these stories, but the artist is missing them. They aren't seeing them or they have to dig through DMs to find them. They don't get to uh, partner with the fans to do anything, right? And so again, just making these connections uh, to come together um, is, is really where we're seeing the big opportunity. Cool. So I want to ask you, if Fave existed when you were an Eminem fan, what merch would you have contributed? Oh, without question. Okay. So I already thought about that. No, <laughs> what I would, let's see, what I would have done. Um, I probably, that's a great, that's an amazing question. It would definitely have to do with the backwards E that he had. And I wonder if it would have been like a decal for your car or something. I know when I was, I was 12, when all of this was going on, like 12, 13, and I swore it was done deal. Like I was ready to call the DMV to have my license plate be uh, Eminem, right? Uh, with the backwards E, so like a three and everything, which was his his logo. I would have done something so that when you're driving around, you can have like a decal or something with, uh, so that everybody knows it's not a secret. <laughs> I love it. I love it. People would honk as they pass you by. Oh yeah. So we talk about all the positives of Fave, right? In the journey of the of the leap of taking your calculated risk. But Jaquel, tell us about a time that maybe wasn't full of sunshine and rainbows as you were building Fave and, you know, first starting out, which is current time. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, back then, there's still tons of things that we're aiming to push through and, and problems, and they will continue. Um, and so I think there's, yeah, there's a couple. I think from the, the product side, we um, started building, as I shared, the tech stack in my very beginning days. And so me and my you know, thin pockets said, okay, let's have uh, an MVP that we can build. Um, and this was something that was built on a very old technology, which allowed us to get something out there to test with fans, but didn't allow us to iterate quickly. And all of the things that we were learning was was in our minds and in our heads but when we when it was time to get it out uh on the app it was taking weeks or months for things that should have taken a day or two or you know a few uh, a few days 
and so this stalled a lot of our progress and it ended up being where we had a lot of attention we had a lot of support we had all these you know major artists wanting to come onto our platform and have their fans have this space and we literally it pains me to say it have to say like okay thank you so much hold on though like we want to move to this other tech stack and build uh there uh and like hold on a second while we rebuild and so to have associated as an entrepreneur who's this excited about a product the the inability to pour those insights back into your product is it's heartbreaking it's painful and all i wanted to do was just keep getting new things out and then it, it finally happened where we had a user write to us and say, hey, it looks like we aren't seeing a ton of progress. Like, are you guys even working on this still? And it was just, ah. and I was like, I want to say four or five weeks into us, like not being able to do a lot. Uh, and it was, the, it was the worst, right? It was just one, but it was the worst. And so uh, of course, we did a lot to make sure that fans had uh, things that they can do on the existing app and different events that we even did off platform and ways to connect in person. We like through all these things. So faves, the brand was still sustaining, but the product itself was uh, was was tough. And so that was absolutely one thing to push through. Um, another area was around the funding, of course, right? It's like I walked into uh, it knowing that it was going to be a difficult ride uh, ahead. And of course, there it ended up with with um, uh, with a successful funding round, which you can imagine I'm extremely grateful for. But of course, along the way, there was uh, uh, underestimation. There was, you know, not believing that I had something that actually was going to be a big business from the beginning of the meeting, not the end of the meeting, from the beginning, just seeing, okay, great to meet you, Jaquel. You just want like advice on some small business that you have? Or I was like, no, 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 I have a venture, <laughs> like venture scale business that I'm interested in you investing in. Like I had to spell it out for one of the investors and I was like, oh, okay, let's see. And by the end, they were interested and of course now keep trying to hit back hit me back up to, to try to invest but uh, I have I didn't take their money and, and, and kind of don't plan to but there you know were some moments of like okay let's, let's see what, what do you have here and then me having to turn them around in the meeting um, I knew that that was what I was going to face uh, some people walk, like they walk in fine unbiased and you know it's fine but oftentimes you, you feel it, you feel the like, okay, let's see. And then you also feel them turning and going, okay, hmm, I, let me peek my ears a little bit. Let me see what this is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you see you see the white screen stop flashing in their glasses, right? From doing other things and then start being super lean in and interested. Um, and so I would say that was, I don't consider it a challenge because I knew that it was going to happen and I already had like the might and the will to fight through it um, but it of course is one that is something I, I giggle at during the middle of the meeting like yeah mm -hmm, yeah I, I have something that I think uh, is interesting for you and you now think it is interesting too even though you had a different outlet in the start so <laughs> you know you said to me that I give you chills you just gave me chills because I can picture that meeting right now oh pretty Shaquille, this sounds like a cute app. And then the more you exactly. spoke, right? And the vision yep. and the dream and the body language of leaning in, right? The magical moment right there. And it's such an important exactly. one. And I think it's important for the listeners and, and 
and me to discuss with you, we got to break it down, drill it down to the numbers. So you are in the top 1% of 2% black female executives breaking the mold. And on one hand, that's super exciting. But you also said in your recent op-ed, it's also a little bit, I mean, well, I don't know if you use the word sad, but it's a little sad to me. Because to put it into perspective, only you said 2.4% of women receive VC funding, so venture capitalist funding. But of that subset, it gets worse. Only 1.2% go to blacks, regardless of their gender. So only 2% of the 2% funded women are black. Holy cow. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. And it's like... Why is it not, you know, thousands or hundreds of black women? It's literally, it it just broke through 100. It just this year broke through 100. It's insane of all time funding. Not this year, not in the last, you know, five years of all time. It's insane. And so, uh, and, and yeah, this this is for, for those who have raised over a million for, for the life of their company, I'll add. Right. So it's not, it's all time life of the company, just a handful, literally of, you can imagine the, like, it might even be more hundreds of thousands, if not like millions of founders who get funded. So, um, yeah, I, I think what I pointed out was that, um, as amazing as it was to, yes, you know, break this, this glass ceiling and, and see, I got to the point thinking like, okay, who, who else is at this party? Let's see. And then I call it like a lonely arrival because it was very confusing to me why I'm the only one who could say that I have made, you know, this thing, especially in music and entertainment where I was, where I, I've apparently raised the most, which I think is insane, but across all of tech, it's like, how am I in the top handful of people who have done this? And, and not to put down what I've done, but it's like, this was my seed round. It was 2.2 million. How, like, that's not astronomical numbers, right? Then even in, in you know, the, the plans for, for my next uh, fundraise, which will uh, come top of year, it's like, that would then mean that I would be just under Rihanna, who uh, has raised 115 million for Fenty, right? But it's like, why is it, why is there such a huge gap? Huge. (laughs) Rihanna and then like little old me, right? It's just super crazy to think. And so, um, yeah, it is sad. Sad is the right word. Um, It's confusing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess you can say it's an opportunity for change. I'm frustrated that it still is an opportunity for change. But once uh, once again, it's not a, um, you know, oh, yay, I beat them all. That's not how I feel. It was a where is everyone else? Where is everyone else? Right, right. And then if we can see you, we can become you. Yeah. And so I, I, I realized, and I think this was the motivation for the op-ed that, um, you know, there, there are people who truly don't imagine or can't see themselves doing something unless they see somebody who looks like them doing the same. Um, and so I could continue on and just build faith and, you know, not say anything and, or just say something in my own office and in my room to my friends. But it, it seemed like, how can I let this go? And how can I make sure that 
I let people see that this actually is possible and that it's not just one seat available at the table. It's not just one seat available. There is plenty of room for us to come aboard. It's a matter of us getting there and making it. And if it does take a hand reached out to you to pull you up rather than you trying to fight your way up the, the mountain, I'm happy to do that. Um, and there are plenty of people that are happy to do that. And so it's just giving folks the access and the the encouragement, frankly, to, to do so. Well said, giving the people that have earned it and are and are qualified, right? That you'll help exactly. along the way. I yeah. use the word grit in your article. You use the word hustle. And you said this mm-hmm. so beautifully, Jaquel. You said in your own words, trust me, I am not one to expect people to give opportunities to someone simply out of the goodness of their hearts. That person must have an insane amount of hustle, grind, and persistence to even have a shot as an entrepreneur. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I think, again, it's too, too, too uh, often people think that uh, a diversity play or a call for action for these kinds of things is because we want sympathy or we want people to fill slots just for the sake of doing it. And it's not that. It's because... <laughs> If people have gone through these struggles where they've been up underrepresented and had to fight harder, you can imagine that they work 10 times harder. They have to, they have no choice but to fight through all of the things that they have done and work their way toward, uh, to- toward that same place that maybe other people who haven't had to have, right? And so it's, um, it's, it's for the people who have that hustle, have that grit, right? Have that drive in order to make it happen. And then when they get there, it's like, you got to see that. You got to respect that. You can't take that as, okay, they just waltzed in here. They like clawed their way there. And if they did that, imagine what they would do with a business. And I think that's that realization and that eye opener that I want people to have that this is not, um, you know, same old, same old. This is somebody who must want it if they even made it to talk to you. So you better give them that respect and realize how that that will translate into into what you would invest in. Absolutely right. And it's not being likable. It's about being respectable. And I love that you just used the word respect there. And oftentimes, you know, you said like the check the box activity. That's what got our culture, society in trouble in the first place. Right. And then I don't know about you, but sometimes I would always feel like, oh, I got the job because I'm a woman. No, Mm -hmm. no bleepity bleep. I earned it. Right. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe even controversial to say, but sometimes when the, you know, diversity initiatives would come out, I would get a little bit shy because I would think that my colleagues would think that it was, oh, that's, that's why she must be here is because she was, she fell through one of these programs that they're doing. I, you know, got hired at Google uh, before they started like formalizing all of these things. And all of, you know, we had, we all had careers before this, right? And so I think now that a light is being shined on it more, it sometimes even does the opposite effect because it, it feels like others will look at you and say like, oh, you're the one filling the quota. But we know, right, that that's not the case. It doesn't work like that. Uh, as much as it's positioned that it worked like that, it doesn't work like that. And we still have to fight our way our way here. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a give and take. It's a tricky tricky spot, but it's a give and take. 
Well, I'm going to throw a little fave in there. Back in the 70s, they made a song about the hustle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You see? Mm-hmm. We got to channel that a little bit, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be a top award-winning entrepreneur if you didn't have that hustle. You're in the top 100 young entrepreneurs in the world to the top 50 women product managers in Europe to most recently being named on the esteemed Forbes 30 Under 30 list. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's all, it's all just, it's all just that hustle. And it, 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 you know, it comes with the, the, the might and the motivation that you had pointed out at the start of this talk. And so it's humbling to see the recognition, but yeah, it's all just, I'm just passionate about all this. So Jacquel, this conversation has been enlightening, moving more so than I even thought. You are resilient. You're a hoot. You know how to hustle, probably dance and with your work ethic. So all of your experiences have left a lesson that changes the way you think about reinventing and the way that you prioritize flexibility in the workplace. So Jaquel, what does career reinvention mean to you? Well, thank you again. Career reinvention means that you give yourself a shot. You give yourself a chance. You know, you all know in the back of your head what it is that you've been curious about, what it is that you want to try. And you also know that eh, it's been something you've tried away from, or maybe you're not quite there. You don't have all the skills to do it, or it's not something that you should do. You People like you don't do that. And that's where you need to find the thing that you think qualifies for that and say, nope, I'm going to position myself in that. I'm going to walk into those shoes and I'm going to do it. And it's not okay, let me start it as this mega, you know, person, fill in the blank of of your goal there, but it's starting small. It's watching those YouTube videos to educate yourself about how to be in that space. It's going to talk to one person, two people in the space to get the realities of what it's like. It's going out to talk to a user of a product that you want to sell or uh, an app you want to build and see really what their problems are that you can refine. And it's those baby steps toward it. And next thing you'll know, you'll, you'll find yourself in those shoes exactly. And so that's, that's what I imagine as reinvention is really taking that jump small, but taking it and starting to, to walk toward what your goal is. Well, on that note, I wish you continued success and thank you for sharing your story and your spirit with us today. Thank you, Gail. I hope you got the chills as much as I did talking with Shaquille today. She is amazing, simply said. And I want to sincerely thank her for sharing her story with us. I want to thank you, our valued listeners, for taking time to listen to Shaquille's story. You have a lot of podcasts to listen to, and I'm elated and grateful that you're here. I also want to thank New Voice Studios for producing Theodora Speaks. I also encourage you to follow me, get involved with my community at gailkeller.org. I recently launched an online course to helping women take calculated risks to reinvent their professional lives. It's a five-step pillar methodology course, and it's a new year. It's a new us. And after this conversation with Jaquel, I hope you check out my course because Jaquel's powerful great reinvention conversation really resonated with me and I hope that it resonated with you. The top three takeaways from my conversation with Jaquel are she is an entrepreneur 
who above all else values family and motherhood. And those two things are her motivation. She makes no apologies for being a working mother. Secondly, Jaquelle threw caution to the wind during the great reinvention and took her calculated risk to reinvent her professional life to launch the fandom platform, Fave. She really leaned into her curiosity and passion. And lastly, she's taking the status of being the top 1% of 2% black female executives being funded by venture capitalists and breaking the mold to bring other women up with her who have earned their right, who have grit and hustle to rise in the ranks. Thank you and stay courageous. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.